Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. This is Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Happy Thursday, everyone. Um, it's Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. We are back. You listened to us on someone else's podcast last week, um, but we're back to our normal format of James and I delivering beautiful information and uh, keeping you up to date on racing and Tim just detracting from it all. So You know, the irony um, is hi, on somebody else's uh, podcast last week, I actually had to edit more. <laughs> no, what they, what, what's not ironic is on someone else's podcast, James still couldn't log in. <laughs> that is, no, I logged in, but I was frozen for a very long time, and then I did nothing, and it magically fixed itself. Technology's weird. And that but, was the only embarrassing thing that happened on that podcast. Sure well, so yeah, I was really <laughs> glad. I hope that some of you listened to our podcast last week, where the three of us were very graciously hosted by Mark Gillespie of Whiskey Cast. And we got to go on for a second time. And to do this show, uh, Mark ahead of time sends out some whiskey samples and, and we sample them together on the show. It's a beautiful concept and very generous of, of him to have us on again. And he sends out four samples. Now, these samples come in uh, either two or three ounce bottles. And they're full. Like he, he fills them yeah. to a reasonable amount. And anybody knows anything about... Full of bourbon. Full of bourbon. Like like. 40 plus well, one was a scotch. One was a scotch. Full of whiskey. <laughs> uh, you know, 40 plus percent uh, alcohol content. And anybody that knows anything about tasting alcohol, and Tim, I know you do because we've been on wine <laughs> tours together. You're supposed to sip it, you know, and just sort of, you don't have to finish everything. The, so I didn't know that. So the fact that you... <laughs> Even if you thought that's what you were supposed to do, the fact he can't see you, like you're on it, like he can see you. We can't see how much you poured. You can hide where the bottles are. You're not going to offend him if they're not. Well, I wanted to. I I wanted to fully taste everything. In an hour, you drank eleven ounces (laughs) of whiskey. That is insanity. So, so so he was over at my house, and you know, come down and and keep in mind, we did the podcast before dinner. And he was like, uh, I was like, oh, do you want to have a drink? And he was like, I think I need a beer. Like, I'm pretty, pretty drunk from the whiskey tasting. And I, I was, was like, I was hammered. I didn't I understand like, how nobody else I thought, was. I thought that was, that's weird. But like, <laughs> I guess he hadn't eaten today and all that stuff. So and like, whatever. So fine. So he had a beer. Like, let's, let me be clear. He didn't turn down a drink. He just had a beer <laughs> and then had dinner. And then we carry on with the rest of the night. And, you know whatever happens happens. And then the next morning he comes down and he's like, man, I'm, I really don't feel good today. And I was like, I actually feel pretty good. Like, I feel like we kind of, you know, drank the same amount and stuff and whatever. And, um, we keep talking and he was like, Oh, I need to bring down those bottles so you can throw them in the dishwasher. And I was like, what, 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 like you took a glass upstairs. He's like, no, the, the bottles from the, the podcast. And I said, oh, did you pour them out? No. Into my, into <laughs> my glass. <laughs> so I was like, wait, you drank all of them. Sure did. 
And then I proceeded to show him mine, which had maybe a 16th of uh, the liquor. Yeah. From like I'm looking at mine and even the one I liked the most, I didn't even do a second pour. Like they're all, they're all basically, you could do conservatively four more tastings out of the <laughs> bottle that See? I have. Like the bottle. So, again, I've never gone whiskey them. tasting before. I didn't know this. I just thought, yeah, you but, just but you're an adult, it, but you know, liquor. Yeah. It got into the, I, okay. And I was sitting there thinking to myself, man, this is a lot to drink right now. How is everybody else keeping it together? <laughs> now, this is a great point. You mentioned the editing. I'm going to admit, I did not listen to Tim's version of our podcast. Oh, I was clearly did sloshed you, at the end. But did you cut out the point where you said, I don't know, Mark, I'm pretty drunk. I've had three whiskeys. <laughs> I think I left that in. <laughs> yeah, okay, good, good. Yeah, I mean, there were there were signs, uh, surely there. <laughs> I just, I don't know. In retrospect, it seems obvious. But he's like, did okay, you, go ahead and pour it. Have it. It all fit Wait, in the glint. Hold on, here. hold on. This was the second time we've done oh, this. Oh, I absolutely time... did it the first time too. Yeah, no, oh I was <laughs> like, and here's the thing. I was looking at you guys just shocked that you were keeping it together. Or professionals. <laughs> well, Professional we're not, whiskey James. drinkers. <laughs> Dude, we should have to told him. We know, Alex, we should have just gone along with it. It's like, yeah, no, we finished ours too. Totally fine. <laughs> yeah, it like, was. Have some more. Yeah. The, I, the, I, the commitment though to Tim and still like wanting to party for the rest of the night it was phenomenal <laughs> guys like, i'm gonna be honest i'm gonna do it again if we go if we go a third time I'm gonna do well, it yeah again. i mean to be fair <laughs> once you're that drunk all you want to do is party and keep going like that's put him right in that perfect zone of just saying Let's i was go. just so impressed that i was just i was watching you guys i was just like man their tolerance is way higher than mine because i was there isn't. sloshed to be fair i had a healthy buzz after the sip that i had because again it was before dinner you know, the funny thing is I actually like this time I was like, man, I'm, I'm doing a lot better on this one. Like I'm actually like, I can, I can taste the differences. I'm doing like good <laughs> notes. And then I listen back through it. And I'm just like, let's see your Mark. guide taste some cinnamon. And I- <laughs> <laughs> now, now knowing this, I want to go back and listen to the first one and see what he sounded like at the end of the first one. Do we think Mark that. knows this? I mean, he'll know now. Sorry, yeah, Mark. That's true. That's <laughs> Again, true. Mark- I want to stress this. I honestly thought that's what we were supposed to do. It like it fit in the Glen Cairn. I yeah. thought that was Mark. If you're listening and you have whatever for whatever reason the urge to invite us back on the show, make sure to send Thim one ounce bottles. <laughs> I'll just get a thimble. Yeah, just a <laughs> Four thimble in the mail. of whiskey. That's all he needs. It was, that was uh, good. Anyway, yeah. that was fun. Hopefully, we do get to do it again. Um, well, and uh, since, since, we've, since we've talked about that. You know, which is really a revelation of of information. Um, <clears throat> oh. <laughs> big big racing news today. Um, James is signed, so like surprise. Woo! Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> shocker. Are you gonna? Well, by by please, the time this comes please, out, it'll be two days. Old, so. Please elaborate us on um, what color your car is going to be, because I think it's going to be orange. Oh, for ten races, it's going to be orange. Sure is. And then for other races, it's going to be other colors that I cannot yet discuss, but I'm very excited to at a future date talk about. But I think on February 18th, yeah, talk about it because (laughs) they tweeted about it. They sure did. They They sure sure did. did. No, but in all seriousness, man, I, I, uh, congrats. I know, I know, um, how horrible it is to go through the holiday season with things pending and up in the air. And even if you're 99% sure, 
of what's going to happen until it's actually announced to the internet. Um, it sucks. Yeah. Once it's on Instagram, it's official. I mean, totally. So, I appreciate that. Yes. Uh, today, well, filming today. So Tuesday, obviously this is being released on Thursday, but a few days ago, if you're listening, uh, we announced full season ride with Andretti Autosport in the 29. Uh, Genesis is going to be the primary for 10 of those races, uh, which is just awesome. I mean, uh, for a company that had never been in motorsports, to go from an Instagram direct message to a three race deal two months later to sponsoring a title sponsoring the Texas race a month later to littering Indianapolis with advertising and activation two months later to now, you know, six months later have a 10 race program. It just, it shows what an incredible organization it is, you know, and, and the, the faith they have in, in Andretti Autosport and myself and the program and IndyCar and everything. And I'm just excited to go racing, guys. Let's uh, giddy up. Let's go do some stuff. Now, I don't get to go racing as soon as Alex gets to go racing, though. Oh, that's true. Yeah. By the time, oh, we, by the time this gets released, you'll be in Daytona, right? You'll be in I, sweaty Florida. I will be. Yes. But hold on. Before we talk about your Daytona test, because you just you just on the roar and the qualifying race and the grid is set for uh, for the twenty four hour race. But the other week you had a very interesting uh, very interesting test day down in Florida, uh, a bit unique that I think you should tell the people about. Um, yeah. So uh, I tested the card <laughs> Sebring on the short course. Um, and then I te also tested the Acura DPI car on the other short course, which was very confusing for me. And, and all the kind of lead up is talking to, to Wayne Taylor racing and, and getting this deal together and everything. They always, they had sent me dates in the beginning. And I always just assumed the January 19th date was just a typo because I knew that IndyCar was testing on January 19th in Sebring. So I was like, oh, surely like that's their travel day and they're going to test on the 20th or whatever. And so like, I, I just said, yeah, all the dates are fine. And then I was, um, we were through the new year or just getting to the new year and they were like asking for travel arrangements. And I was like, oh, I'm already going to be there. And they were like, why? Are you serious? So you didn't actually know this wasn't like a, like a super planned ahead of time thing. You were supposed no. to be doing the full test day with Wayne Taylor. Correct. Yes, sure was. <laughs> and so <laughs> it okay. kind of was a, a so little bit of an awkward go? conversation. I was say, how's that conversation go? So well, you can it's, call both Wayne and Michael and be like, hey. Well, so, <laughs> so calling Wayne is much easier than calling Michael because right. in, in the contract, you know, IndyCar takes priority and, and precedence right. on any type of conflicts or whatever. Um, so he, he totally understood. And, and, and quite frankly, it was just a shakedown for them. They had never run. Uh, the Acura on track before it wasn't yeah, really a you, test. The car you had was more in, experience with the Acura than they did at that. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. And they wanted to get uh, Philippe Albuquerque in the car, um, who he was new to the program, and the car is in full like Daytona spec. So like it's not a Sebring test, as it, as, as it were. Um, but still, you know, I had to call. I had to call Michael, and I was like, um, so you know how I said, you know, IndyCar takes priority on everything. Well, how would you feel? <laughs> if um, I also was kind of doing double duty during the Sebring test and, and as Andretti Autosport always is, they were totally fine with it and, and understood, but I was talking to my engineer and I was like, okay, so can we come up with like a plan of when like you think I can go over there? Do we have a plan diff change or weight distribution change or something that's going to take a while? 
And he was like, I'll give you one to one thirty. That's it. Half hour. I was like, Oh, okay. So what that meant was I had to be up at six in the morning because they wanted to do a lot of driver change practice and everything. And, and green flag was at eight. So I went over to, to the IMSA side, did driver change practice, did the whole team meeting and everything. Then went back to the Indy car, tested the Indy car up until lunch, had a quick bite, went over to the DPI car and drove that from like 1245 to 130. Um, and, and so here's the kicker. Like everything was fine. The car performed great. The last time I drove a DPI car, was at Sebring. So like it came back quite quickly. Um, but I have never driven on the right short course, like the short course that involves turn one and turn right. 17. I'd only driven the IndyCar one. Well, I just hopped in the car. Like I didn't do any track walk. I didn't do any. And you get to where video. all of a sudden there's barriers where there should be racetrack dude, and panic. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah. Turn one's a quite a fast corner, right? A very fast corner. Right. So I was, you know, and, and this is my first day in the car and like, not my first day in the car, my first day with the team. And like, you know how it is. Like you want to go out and show that you can get up to speed quick and everything. So like the car was good. Like I, on the outlap, it was good. The, 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 the tires come up to temp quite quick in that car. And so out of 17, I just, I mean, I was on it into turn one and like drop it down a gear fifth flat, like at the apex and like tracking out. And it wasn't until I got to the exit curb where I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> I have no idea where I'm going. I have to go right really <laughs> soon here. So <laughs> did I, did I flat spot a, a set of tires on lap one? Sure. Maybe. Did. Maybe. <laughs> yep, yep, I did do that. I'm just glad um, to see that you had the same problems in a real car that I have an eye racing. We're just like, ah, uh, okay. I'm just going to eyeball this. I'm just going like, to. <laughs> it was one of the most terrifying experiences because like that corner, it doesn't, you can't really see it because it's kind of, it's super flat. And anyways, so, um, that was my DPI experience. Uh, I, I came in, we did a new set of tires and did everything else. And, and the car shook down really well. Um, and then just went back to the Indy car. But one thing that I think you'll find quite interesting, James is so, you know, how kind of whatever you're driving yeah. at the time, it feels fast, right? Whether it, yeah. in reality it is fast or not, it, it feels fast. Yeah. And so a DPI car is like, Quite. A, a pretty impressive piece of machinery and you know behind a p1 car and an f1 car and an indy car it's probably one of the next quickest things on a racetrack and so you kind of get into that rhythm even if it's 10 laps and then i left and, and ran over to the indy car and literally jumped in within like the space of six or seven minutes and <laughs> even on the sebring short course it is unbelievable how much faster an indy car is really like you don't, is it the, you don't really under, you don't really feel it once you've been in an Indy car for a while, right? And that's all you drive. Like it kind of feels a little right. slow. But when you get out of one pretty high performance vehicle and get into another one, like I almost had to relearn how to brake. I think it, <laughs> I think that's that's part of it though, right? It's because in your brain you're getting out of a really fast car, and then you're getting into another car. So you're like, yeah, I mean, this is also a fast car, but the difference shouldn't be that if you were like if you had been pounding around in like an MX-5 cup car and then jumped in the Indy car, yes, you your brain would be ready for like a very big difference in speed. Right. You probably weren't ready for that kind of jump because you're like, yeah, I'm getting out of a super fast car and getting back into an Indy car. But Well, it's not only that, but it's also like it, it, 
it, it is a big jump, but it's also not. So like you're talking about, oh, what was just really on the limit of the brakes, like now 35 feet later is really right. on the limit. Right. So you're working in such small tolerances. Um, it was really interesting. So, I mean, in all honesty, it took me like four or five laps to like get back to anything decent. Yeah. <laughs> and I was really like, I was going to stay out there until I got back down to a lap time. Cause I didn't want to come in being like eight tenths off of where I was. Right. And they'd be like, Oh, that was a mistake. <laughs> yeah. Never allowed to do that again. Yeah, exactly. So that's funny. Um, all right. Anyways, so then you got there, you guys qualified fifth and then were sent to the back for the qualifying race. Is that yeah, right? Yeah. You know, it was, it was real tough, you know, qualify fifth and then get dropped to the back. So we had to start seventh. <laughs> and then finished fifth <laughs> so you're starting right where you should have started yeah right. funny how that works out so yeah, yeah so um in all honesty it's uh it's a completely new car for for wayne taylor um it's got a little bit more idiosyncrasies than than the uh delara and the cadillac that they were used to and just i guess this car settles a little bit more so they were a slightly um it was a slight uh, miscalc. It wasn't even a miscalculation. Like literally the, the rear wing just settled. Like you can't even adjust this right. part of the wing that, that didn't pass. So anyways, um, a little disappointing, but ultimately didn't make a, a huge difference. Um, you know, I think as always, the, the DPI field is going to be um, very competitive, very close. And it's anyone's race over 24 hours. Like it's it's going to be very interesting. I mean, the 31 car also got disqualified for being underweight and they won that little sprint qualifying race pretty easily. So, um, you know, there's a lot of things that are going to have to go our way as, as always, but, um, yeah, feel good about it. So that starts, uh, next or this Saturday, right at what time does the race start? 340. Yeah. That's, I don't like that. So they that moved, race I used don't know to start why at like that. 11. And now, yeah, 340 just makes for a long, long two days. Because think about it, you still get up. You're a mechanic or a driver. You're probably still up at 6 o'clock in the yeah, morning you're not on a sleeping, Saturday. Man. Right. Getting well, ready, all the prep. And then you do a 24-hour race. And that 340 on Sunday, the race finishes. And then you got to tear down and pack up and travel home. Like it's, that's, it's well, basically I get, to, I, I get to travel to Sebring to test an IndyCar on Monday. <laughs> yes, but, that's true. Um, no, so so the worst part about it is usually when the sun's coming up, you can kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel. You know, there's usually like five hours to go. Right. Well, now there's nine. Yeah, that's the worst. <laughs> it's just the worst. Yeah, that's, that's not great. I'm not looking no. forward to that part. Yeah. So anyways, I'm thrilled to be doing it though. Uh, great to be back with Acura. Very exciting news out of the Acura camp today being Tuesday, um, announcing their commitment to um, LMDH in 2023, and Very which is cool. great news for sports car racing in general. So for sure. Exciting time. For sure. Well, uh, as, as mentioned earlier, we uh, <clears throat> have a special guest. Did we mention earlier that we had a special guest? We didn't, but I don't think we mentioned it. You oh. just mentioned it. Although James, well, didn't didn't you have something you wanted to talk about today? Very racing um, related. Yeah, we're going to talk about that on the tail end of the show uh, after we chat to our guest. Got it. But that'll be our that'll be our lead out of the show because it's I'm really confused by this. Um, but Alex, we've got a special guest, and uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, Mr. John Norman? Yeah, so uh, I I got to know John Norman um, when his son Ryan. Uh, competed uh in indy lights for Andretti Autosport, and um 
my dad became became friends with John and and um, bonding over racing dad stories and life and stuff like that. And, and John has a very exciting company, um, to, to help young athletes, uh, further their careers, um, very much based in the motorsport community, but also outside of that as well. So, um, a lot of cool information uh, that he's going to share with us and, uh, introducing us to his new exciting company Evo. So, uh, yeah, we're going to lead right into that. All right, guys. So I know, I know in the past on this podcast, we've talked, uh, a lot about kind of, you know, my start in racing, James's start in racing and, and kind of the, the trials and tribulations of, of getting to the, the top level of motorsports. And one of the things that we always kind of touched on was kind of the, the business side of it and, and how challenging it is, especially in motorsports, um, kind of with the, the cost to play and, and, and just how much it, it is to, to kind of go from karting to formula cars and, and hopefully to, the, to the top level. I mean, it's, it, it takes a lot of, um, a lot of people, it takes a lot of support and, and whether that comes from, you know, teams or personal family, um, resources or, um, corporate sponsorships or whatever, whatever you, know, you find under the couch be, cushions, whatever you find under the couch, lottery tickets, um, <laughs> you got to pay for it somehow. And, and so I was, was fortunate enough that my dad, um, as we talked about on this podcast, kind of came up with, with an investment program and something to where people could, could buy units and, and hopefully um, I would make it to, to the big leagues one day and, and they could actually get um, a return on their investment and make some money. Well, we have a guest today who has kind of taken that idea and, and brought it to a whole new level of um, you know, helping young athletes um, you know, achieve and, and get to the highest level of sports um, without necessarily the personal finances to do it. So we've got um, someone who's very close to the Andretti Autosport family, uh, John Norman, his son, Ryan, uh, raced for Andretti and Indy Lights. He's currently racing um, down in Daytona. He'll be racing with me this weekend in the uh, LMP3 class. So welcome, John, and uh, thanks, for, thanks for being here. Like clockwork here, the UPS shows up at the door and the dogs go crazy. It's par for the course on this podcast. We've if, all had if, our if dogs. If you didn't have dogs podcast. barking, then we'd actually be disappointed. Yeah, so mine, mine's <laughs> asleep good. right there. So. <laughs> so, so John, I kind of, I kind of led in a little bit to what you do, but you have a, you have a, a company, a business called Evo, um, that helps young professionals kind of get to the top level of sports through a kind of crowdsourcing way if I'm not mistaken. So, so why don't you explain that to us? Yeah, let me allow me to explain. Well, actually on Thursday, we are launching Evo, which uh, is short for Evolution Development Group to the public, which it's basically, uh, we open up investment in Evo to the general public and for as little as $150, a fan can invest in our company and then we are going to go out and scout and sign the best best athletes and drivers that that are struggling to make it and we're going to support those drivers not only with funding but most importantly with a development program that is going to help them physically mentally uh you know uh, compete at the highest level of their 
sport. You talk about kind of finding these these drivers or athletes or or what have you. Is it something that there's uh, a process that they have to go through, or can anyone kind of become a part of of the Evo family, or are you you scouting them out yourself? How does that work? No, so right now we have a partnership with Andretti, and we have a relationship with Jay Howard, and of course within racing as we know in, in open wheel racing, there's a ladder system with uh, the road to Indy. Uh, the thing that's unique about there is you know these drivers that maybe won the championship and they get um, you know, uh, a dollar amount to it, go on to the next uh, level, uh, the amount that they get doesn't even really cover the amount of what it takes for the budget for the next series. But a lot of times it might not be the best driver that won that series. As we know in the lower series, there's a lot of crashes. There's a lot of problems that happen. Sure. And so it might be that like the second or third best that came in in Indy Pro 2000 um, is really the, the diamond in the rough and needs the support. And instead of having to you know, go away and do something else, we would be there saying, hey, let's come in to do a test and uh, test you against some of the, the better drivers. And we would then decide whether or not they are right for our program. And the idea would then be to provide them with the funding and most importantly, a lot of testing, which everybody knows seat time is the, the key to developing a driver. So it's, it's not, we're not out there looking for somebody that's never been in a race car. We're out there looking at drivers that are possibly falling off the, the series because they can't afford it. And we're gonna go and test those athletes. And even also in the Indy Lights um, series as well, because at the end of the day, our investors ultimately want to return on their investment, just like you were mentioning before about that were invested in you. Um, so we want to get drivers that will have the, the quickest um, chance of becoming a top contender in the IndyCar series. Yeah, you want a fast maturation, right? But it's it's not even just just motorsports. I mean, we were talking, you know, just before we we started recording here about some of the other sports that you're looking into and you know, other sports cost. Yeah. Well, I mean, if we want to call that no, because if we call that a sport, that would make you an athlete, and I don't I don't well, endorse that. And at even all. if we called it a sport, uh, Tim, you wouldn't be selected. I was going to say, if we called it a sport, I'd quit. You'd be not essential. <laughs> But no, but I, but I, but so like, you know, you think obviously racing sort of sets the standard for outrageously expensive sports to get into, right. but to, to be successful at almost any sport, it still takes a decent amount of funding. And I remember I was at a, a charity golf tournament. Um, I mean, it seems like forever ago now, uh, it's probably a year ago or so. And the caddy was a, a young guy that was, you know, trying to make it pro trying to get his pro card. And he talked about how you need sponsors to play in the right tournaments and afford the coaching and, the, and this, that, and the other. So we, even getting into a sport like golf can sometimes be, uh, be inhibited by the fact that you don't have enough money to get what you need to play the tournaments that you need. So it applies to a bunch of different sports. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it does. Alex, you mentioned before when we spoke that 
rather than spending all your time or a lot of your time worrying about raising money and meeting the next possible investor, if you knew that you didn't have to do that and you could spend 100% of your time practicing, you would absolutely feel that you would get better and be a better athlete at that point. So we're taking that same approach here. We, we, with Evo, we have professional golf, we have motor, motor sports, and we have MMA and combat sports. And those are the three sports that we thought that we would start out with. And to develop a, a, a golfer and to give them the, the premier training and the technology that's there for a golfer, um, they're competing with people that have all that. So if they're only competing at 80% of their capacity, but they're trying to get onto a, a tour that these guys are playing at 100%, it's really difficult. So what we've done is we've developed these programs for the different sports and we have the performance trainers that are gonna work across everybody. And it's, it's gonna be really exciting. And the fun part is the fans get to come along for the ride and they get to see what the, our, our athletes are doing to train and to get better. And even they'll have the opportunity to make suggestions to our athletes. So I was actually going to ask about that. So Alex, are, are you invested in this? I am not. No. Okay. So if a dry, oh, hypothetically, if you were, and you were a sponsor and somebody else on the grid, could you just be, Hey, it's your sponsor. Get over. Let me through, you know, <laughs> like maybe, maybe that's worth putting like a hundred. Could you imagine? In. Yeah. I'm going to throw 150 <laughs> bucks to Scott Dixon's future and uh, be like, um, technically I'm your boss. You have, yeah. to move. I don't, I don't think you want to invest in his future. That guy's not going anywhere. Yeah. That guy, what's he going to do? So, so while we're on this topic, John, and, and I want to get back to kind of the development at, at one point, but the, the money side of it. So obviously, you know, people are going to, are going to want to do this not always out of the kindness of their own hearts, right? They're looking at, at, at the potential return um, for, for someone they believe in and, and they believe that they can get there. So you mentioned it's the, the, the cost to kind of be involved is $150 yeah. for, I guess, one, one unit or one. Or well, the, min the minimum investment is $150. Obviously, okay. you can put in as much as you'd like. And are you investing, do you get to choose the athlete you're investing in or are you just investing in the company? And then if any athlete gets there, yes, you get some of that. Okay, so you're not investing in a specific athlete. Think of this as a mutual fund, whether it's a Fidelity mutual fund and they have 40 um, companies that they're invested in. You don't have to go in and invest in, oh, I wanna pick that company out of your mutual right. fund. So the great thing here is, as we know, let's say um, in, in the past, only wealthy people could really invest and get in on the ground floor of investing in a professional athlete. Here, we're making it accessible for the ordinary fan, let's say. And at the, at the end, they're benefiting for all our athletes, not just one athlete. So if that one athlete that they really like 
let's say for instance, gets hurt or something, they don't lose their money. They're still oh, invested wow. in the entire company. Well, that, I mean, that makes it, I mean, much more attractive, right? Because we all know kind of the, the challenges that, that let's use racing as an example, you know, there's 24 to 33 seats every single year. And there's, there's hundreds of, of drivers that are hoping to, to be IndyCar drivers or sports car drivers or whatever. I mean, paid professional drivers, it's probably under a hundred in the United States or, or just at. So um, the fact that people are able to, to be involved, but also have a little bit of reassurance that the odds are a little bit in their favor. Um, instead of just having to to pick kind of one horse in the race. So I think that's, it's a very, very good way of, of going about it. And I think that, um, especially with that kind of cost of entry, I mean, I, I would, I could think of most IndyCar fans in my mind would be interested. What do you say, James? Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's to, to kind of have that vested interest, you know, it's a, a lot of people talk about how, Part of the reason why betting is so popular is because it gives you something to really cheer it's hard. for. Well, I mean, it's hard for you. <laughs> yeah, You're particularly really bad at it. But no, it gives you that vested interest in something. And so to do this, you're going to follow sports you might not follow. And those athletes will get, let's say you sign up originally because you're a racing fan. But if you put that money in, you're going to be starting to follow that golfer that's part of the program and that MMA oh, fighter sure. that's part of the program. So it's, it's really, really good. Now, John, so it's launching on Thursday, which is also the same day that this podcast will be broadcast. So it's launching today for all intents and purposes. So I'm, I'm a fan. How do, I, how do I sign up? Where do I go? Where can I read a bit more about it? And where can I give you my money? I want to give you my money. How do I do it? Well, that's, we made that very easy. You go to Evo Invest. So E-V-O Invest.com. And you go on, on there, you'll see the video that um, explains the process, explains the company. It answers all your questions, I believe, in regards to how to invest. You click on the button that says invest now. It takes you to a next page and it's just like you're going and ordering something on Amazon. You put in your credit card information the number of shares you want to buy, and then you hit complete, and that starts the process, and you eventually um, get access to a place to see your uh, electronic shares. Except unlike Amazon, instead of it arriving tomorrow, what you ordered, it could be a couple of years, but no, it's, I think it's, <laughs> it's, it's very, it's, it's, it's brilliant. It's, um, you know, we've seen the success of, kind of, um, I'm drawing a blank on them now, but all of these crowdsourcing type sites to get products off the ground. GoFundMe. It's, it's a huge, GoFundMe, exactly. It's a huge area that motorsports, you know, I think the US does it the best in terms of the road to Indy ladder, but quite frankly, like it's still not enough. And, and that's through no fault of road to Indy. It's just motorsports is a, is a hugely expensive sport. So it, it seems that you're really filling that gap in a, in, a, in a positive way in an easy to use and easy to understand way. And um, that's amazing. So um, I'm, I'm thrilled to, to see that, you know, hopefully we're going to have drivers get the opportunity that maybe never would have. And I've always said that, the best race car driver in the world is probably someone driving a taxi in New York. Yeah, City. might have never driven a race car ever. 
Exactly. Cause it just wasn't there. So you're providing these people potentially with an opportunity and, and that's something to be very excited and proud about. And um, we can't wait to, to see where this goes. So, so thanks for sharing it with us. Unless they're like really good, then we don't want it to happen. Right. Well, yeah. Then, like, can you make sure I'm done with IndyCar yeah. by, by the time you find that guy? <laughs> like you said before, Alex, you said uh, people want to watch exciting races. They don't want to have a lot of difference between the best and the in the worst. So, yeah. you know, if we, if we can bring in a, a group of drivers that are just you know fantastic, it's going to make it even more exciting. Oh, it's great for the sport, great for the show, and um, and bad for us, you know. Yeah. Yeah, bad for us, but you know, whatever. Great for everyone else. <laughs> but when one of the Evo drivers puts one of us out of a job, can we like reapply to be an Evo driver and get smart? Yeah, that's it? forward thinking. Yeah, <laughs> no, just invest in Evo and then it's win win. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's true. It's like when Jeff Gordon owned half of Jimmy Johnson's car. Jimmy Johnson showed up and won like seven championships. He's like, I'm mad like, I'm not winning, case. but I'm also like not that mad because I'm making a bunch of money. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Uh, well, thanks again, John. Um, and, and congrats on Evo and, and, uh, we can't wait to see where this goes and, uh, looking forward to competing against Evo drivers here very soon. Well, there you go. I mean, that's, uh, it, it's, that's such a, such a great concept. You know, I mean, you see, as, you know, as you mentioned in the interview, um, uh, GoFundMe and like that kind of concept has helped launch, you know, countless, companies that have gone on to be profitable and successful and uh I mean, you and got now, my pizza oven off of gofundme there you go there you, <laughs> you go and so uh oh yeah by the way i really want really want pizza soon can we get on that i mean i've got all the <laughs> pizza making have ingredients you un- so. have you unpacked it yet sure <laughs> james, james are you we just buying him life. are we just buying him stuff that we're going to use when we're at his house because i just bought him a popcorn machine yes correct okay <laughs> keep it coming guys no, yeah. no skin off my back <laughs> as long as you don't mind hosting this is a great setup um <laughs> but no yeah so it's it's and it's cool it's a cool way for fans to engage and, uh, and a cool way to help help young athletes um speaking of athletes <clears throat> you're gonna look back I, I want you to remember me saying that because you're gonna look back on that segue and realize that it's totally inappropriate I was, <laughs> are we talking about tim now no. Well, yeah, it's podcasting a sport. We, sure isn't. Uh, we, I was chatting with a friend of mine earlier today, and it doesn't really matter why. But the, the I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest here before I know what you're talking about. I'm gonna need to know the why. <laughs> it doesn't really matter why, but shake weights came up yep, in conversation. I'm gonna need to know that why. I need and, to, I need to know the why now. <laughs> So it's a friend of mine who's he's elderly and he's going through some medical stuff and he was commenting on how he's he just looks like a bag of bones now he he feels weird because he just I was and I so I said to him you just got to get back to some training you got to get yeah exactly Tim you ruined it you got to get back to some training here's what you should use and I sent him a text message with this with a a YouTube video of a shake weight commercial because he had never heard of it and he was very surprised by what he saw. And as I watched it, you know, Shake Weight, I don't know how long ago that was. Let's call it like 10, 12 years ago. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching this minute long commercial on Shake Weight. And I'm thinking to myself, was this guy just messing with us? Like, 
that actually a real thing? Did somebody sit there and think, I think I've got a great muscle toning <laughs> device and, and actually create this company and actually believe in that? Or was it some guy who was like drunk in a fraternity house with his buddies being like, oh my God, you know what would be so funny? And the joke just <laughs> kept going. People didn't know it was a joke and it became a real company and they actually sold stuff. Okay, James, I'm going to... I don't know that I agree with you. You think that's like a, like a legitimate, worthwhile exercise piece of equipment? Yeah. Of course he does. Of course he does. So why don't you? <laughs> no, just explain to me why you, why you don't. For reasons that we can't get into no, because no, no, this right. is a family no, no, podcast. No, no, no stop. So James, <laughs> James. Right. You, no, I understand the concept. No, James, at, at the gym, you use that black yeah. Yes. Bouncy bow exactly. thing all the, the time. Body blade. Yes, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Same thing. So this is like a more portable version of that. Right. I, now, I, I, have I, you ever used a shake weight? I have not. But I know, I mean, I know Can the concept you, of it. you record it for right. all of us. Sure. And, and the so, body blade, I think, is actually <laughs> incredibly difficult. The body blade is insanely hard. Okay. Well, and but here, I guess here's where, it, here's where it gets sideways for right. me. The way they chose to market it involved a very specific demographic that seems to be <laughs> <laughs> utilizing this particular piece of equipment in a certain way. I don't know. It just yeah. like yeah. when 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 you google shake weight and the ad is double hand front and the guy's got it in a vertical position in front of his torso. Yeah, I see what you're saying. You know, it just, it makes me think that the guy who created it was like, I wonder if I can sell these idiots on this idea. And it just sort of, it just sort of went, I don't know. I just saw it and it just reminded me of the whole, the whole debacle that was Shakeway. I was remember, it, I remember when I was I mean, a so kid. So it was a little before my time. Was it, did it turn out to be a debacle? I mean, I think not, they were pretty successful. I mean, I bought, I bought Jim like Leo Craig one. Fitness. I bought Jim Leo one from PitFit as a birthday gift one year. <laughs> I it, this reminds me of when I was a kid and I uh, we, we were on a road trip and we stopped at some like general store in the middle of nowhere in Indiana, and they had this wind up toy at the counter, and it was like a nun that uh that you'd wind it up and the nun would walk and it would shoot sparks out of the nun's mouth and it was called Nunzilla. And I think I was like 13 at the time. And I remember having this weird thought of there was probably a boardroom of people discussing this product. Like this had to go through so many different stages of approval to get There's... mass produced and eventually sold. So it's kind of the was same it, thing. Was it like a nun crossed with? I think you can look it up. It's nunzilla. I'm super not going to look that up because I want to sleep tonight. But yeah, <laughs> no, it's amazing what like gets through committees and... People are like, yep, tank this is fine. And case studies. It's it's just it's just bizarre. So anyway, here, here's I what think... I here's what I ask, because James, I think we can dive into this more. The last time we talked about hot dogs, people got us in contact with the president of hot dogs. If the, if the guy that created Shake Weight wants to come on the show, I would <laughs> love to talk to him. And look, I know I'm Shake the producer. Weight. I'm supposed to reach out and get a hold of this guy. I'm not gonna do that. He's so not if you're listening. Do it for us. You did it with the hot dog guys. Come through for us again. I, I you know what? I'm actually, I, I'm actually okay. I don't even know if I want to. I don't know if I want to know. I think I like the mystery <laughs> about it better. I think the mystery is better than the story. It's like the mystery of what's actually in hot dogs was way better than the real explanation. 
Well, I mean, I think I'm going to just show up to the racetrack with a shake weight. I'm just devastated that happens. it's past Christmas and I, dude, like, I, I, eleven months. Instead, of I people have their jump ropes or their like light <laughs> reflection machines. We I'm should just, just walk onto the grid with a shake weight. Just stand there in pit lane before practice, just, as everybody's just two of them. Just, just double fisting away. shake weights. Yeah. <laughs> well, you had to say double fisting, Tim. All right. So, uh, so family show. So uh, we, yes, maybe there's a shake weight sponsorship in it for you, Alex. Oh, you've got a new sponsor, Alex. You want to talk about that? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> it was, it, I yeah. think it's great. I love this. It I is, love this. No, it, is, it is great. It's, 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 it's so exciting. I am hesitating because I'm going to look really stupid because I don't quite know how to pronounce it. It's a, yeah, <laughs> it's Klaus Haller. Klaus Haller. Is it Klaus Haller? Klaus Haller. It's German. Klaus Haller. Um, it's a non-alcoholic beer. Uh, and they have different flavors and types. And I think it's awesome because James, you and I have talked in the past and maybe on this podcast um, about how, you know, your, your dad kind of um, had some leftover NA beer at your house. And sometimes like during the week when, you know, you don't want to just drink water and you don't want to drink a diet Coke, like you'd love to have a beer, but like, it's also a Wednesday and you're not right. going to do that. And you were like, Oh, there's an NA beer in the fridge. I'm going to try it. And you were like, it's actually really good. And yeah. I think it's awesome because it, it's got to be better for you than like a Coke. It has to be. Right. Um, and it's also just, it, it breaks it's just up. It's a nice the, alternative to, yeah, nice alternative water to or Coke. And yeah, yeah. If you so. want to send me some, I haven't drank since that whiskey tasting. So I could, I could go for well, here's some. Here's the NA. thing. Here's the thing. You can drink <laughs> as much of it as you want. Yeah, it's, it's you can drink everything he sends you in one sitting and you'll just be, yeah. have to pee a lot. But, um, yeah, but no, I mean, me I'm, I'm thrilled that, that they're a part of it. And I, I think it makes a lot of sense, you know, um, being able to have a nice, cold, refreshing cloth collar during the hot month of May. So, so here's my question, though: Are you gonna like hop out of the car and and crack crack one? <laughs> you bet your ass I am, James. All right, that's my man. That's my man. It's still, it's like right not there. a great visual, but go I, for it. Just getting out of the car, and you and I just walk off and just shotgun, Bruce. shotgun. <laughs> That would be such a power it. move. I love it. It'd be even better if it's before the race. Do they, Just do shotgun a beer, to... take your shake weight out, and then get in the car. <laughs> we need them to. Um, we need them to have cans because I think they're only bottles at the moment. No, no, they got cans, but they're tall boys. Oh, well, it's even so, better. I mean, yeah. challenge accepted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now we know what we're doing on the grid. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yeah. I can't wait. I cannot wait. Oh, people are going to love it. People well, guys, um, we've covered, uh, once again, a range of topics from <laughs> the announcement, which is uh, exciting for all of us and I think all you listeners. Um, the new up-and-coming company, Evo, short for Evolution, helping drivers achieve their their dreams, um, <laughs> shake weights, and cloth uh, taller beer. So it's going to be, 2021 is going to be your guys. Can't wait. Thanks so much for listening to Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Keep in contact with us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at AskOffTrack. Or you can follow us individually. We're at Hinchtown and at Alexander Rossi. If you want to follow Tim, though we have no idea why you would, he's at the Tim Durham. We really need to get that changed to at producer Tim. The music you heard today is by Ryan Dan of Holland Patton Public Library. Off Track with Hinch and Rossi is produced by Tim Durham. And by that, I mean thin.
Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.